From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. England's footballers scored six goals last night in Bulgaria. That's not the headline today. Instead, we're all focused on the hateful racism hurled at the pitch by neo-Nazi fans. Throughout this, I know that whatever we do might be perceived as not being enough. But I think we've made a major statement. England manager Gareth Southgate says he's proud of his players' reaction to the abuse. We speak to our chief football correspondent, James Olley, who was there. Later. Prime Minister's been told, if you don't agree a text with us by midnight tonight, then we can't circulate it to foreign leaders ahead of the summit that starts on Thursday. And if that happens, and he misses what he called his do-or-die deadline, then it'll be quite clear to everybody he's going to be calling for a bit of extra time. The Standard's political editor, Joe Murphy, on a frantic day at number 10, as a flagship new environment bill is published, while the PM cancels Cabinet to negotiate Brexit. Also... The Queen attends a special service to celebrate Westminster Abbey, why we think it's London's most extraordinary building. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comet. In a moment, why Bulgaria's football team should be kicked out of international competition. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I mean, I heard it before I even got to the other side of the pitch in the warm-up. What a disappointing night. I mean, it's probably one of the most appalling nights I've seen in football. I don't think a game has ever been stopped in net of this magnitude twice. We knew that if anything happened in the second half, we were off. We knew that if we came off, we probably wouldn't be going back on. The FA's chairman says last night was one of the most appalling he's ever seen in football. The monkey chanting began before the game. The Nazi salutes in the stands were seen all over the world. The racism became so overwhelming, Bulgaria against England in Sofia was stopped twice in the first half. Bulgaria's Prime Minister says his country's head of football should resign. Here's what this newspaper thinks. It was vile, hateful and shames a country. The behaviour of some Bulgarian fans was more than just a passing disgrace. It demands a direct and tough response because the racist chants and gestures that fouled the Euro 2020 qualifying match were sadly not a surprise. 
England's players took a stand against this racism on the pitch, and the match was interrupted. Should they have walked off and ended the game for good? Some will say yes, but there is no reason why England should have to enforce decent standards of behaviour alone. It shouldn't have to be up to one team to act. UEFA needs to do it, and fast. Our chief football correspondent, James Ollie, is in Sofia. James, you were at the match. What was it like? The scenes inside the Vasilevsky Stadium were truly shocking and appalling. It was a, a shameful night for European football. Um, because England were were ahead in the game early, it was never really a contest. They were they were comfortably ahead by half time. The sort of conventional match atmosphere disappeared and you could only hear the the racist, fascist element of the crowd. It's important to remember that this is a city where the club Levski Sofia are widely believed to have a fan base that's been infiltrated by uh, a neo-Nazi element and, and that neo-Nazi element was was prevalent last night there were Nazi salutes there were there were people at the game dressed all in black their faces covered up clearly to try and escape identification and they weren't fans they weren't there to watch the game they, they had no interest in it they, they were there to, to cause trouble and to air some some deeply troubling views at the press conferences Gareth Southgate spoke about how at halftime they talked about not coming back out for a second half, but in the end decided to do so. Throughout this, I know that whatever we do might be perceived as not being enough, but I think we've made a major statement. Sadly, um, <clears throat> my players, because of their experiences in our own country, are hardened to racism. So they're smiling. You know, they're smiling. They, they've played well. They know they've played well. Um, they shouldn't have had to experience what they did. We all knew we were in a pretty impossible situation, so we've tried to navigate it in the best way we could. Was that the right decision for the England team? Uh, the debate on whether England should have walked off or not will continue for some time. I, I think personally they, they did the right thing. They followed the, the UEFA three-step protocol. There was an announcement over the Tannoy. The second stage of that would have been to take the players off and then the third would have been to abandon the game if, if the uh, officials felt that that racist abuse hadn't subsided or, or was in danger of continuing. Clearly, England stopped the game twice. That is the first time I believe that's happened at, uh, at this senior international level. And really, they're asking the same question of UEFA, which walking off the pitch would have done, which is, what are you going to do about this? And really, as much as... A, a team like England, a high-profile side, can make a statement sent around the rest of the world by, by walking off in the face of racist or discriminatory abuse. This needs to be followed up with action from the highest level. And for too long, UEFA's punishments have been insufficient. England's last visit to Bulgaria in 2011 yielded a £34,000 fine for the home side for racism. It's just not enough. And although UEFA have taken certain steps now with um, the minimum sanctions being partial stadium closures and even full stadium closures in some instances, it's clearly not having the desired effect. And really, there still needs to be much more done by UEFA to take the lead on these issues. Next. The government's juggling a domestic agenda against a looming Brexit deadline. Our political editor, Joe Murphy, is having a busy day in Westminster. 
Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There is a rush to get things done by deadline in Westminster. A cabinet meeting was cancelled this morning while the Prime Minister attempts to negotiate a Brexit deal. The clock is ticking, but there's a country to be run, and today the government published its new environment bill. Here's what the Everyone's in favour of recycling, so it's good to see the government doing its bit. Ministers say the bill will make sure the UK leads a green transformation. Actually, it mostly just makes up for the loss of EU rules on environmental protection because of the threat of Brexit. It's a decent start, but it still doesn't go far enough. In particular, the bill falls short on air quality, which means people might be breathing dangerous air in London for longer. Last year, the EU announced it was taking the UK and five other countries to court to insist safe standards for pollution are met. So what will happen if the UK leaves the EU? The government is planning a new office for environmental protection to enforce standards on air quality and climate change. But this won't work unless it's given sharp teeth, and the new bill has few details on that. Someone who knows all about deadlines is our political editor, Joe Murphy, who has never missed one in his entire life, and he's in our Westminster office right now. Joe, we had the Queen's speech yesterday. We've got this environment bill being published today, and this is all coming in the week that Boris Johnson has to get a Brexit deal negotiated and put in front of MPs. He is cramming a lot into his diary right now. It's funny you should mention deadlines because a new one has been set today, which is midnight tonight. Um, And that was set by Michel Barnier at a Luxembourg Foreign Minister Summit. And it's really quite serious because the Prime Minister's been told, if you don't agree a text with us today, by midnight tonight, then we can't circulate it to foreign leaders ahead of the summit that starts on Thursday. And if you miss that, we will have to have a special summit in a week or two weeks' time to agree your deal. And if that happens, then you put it all together and he misses what he called his do-or-die deadline of October the 31st for Britain to leave the European Union. Now, some of us think that that deadline is probably going to be missed in any case for all sorts of reasons, but the Prime Minister has been sticking to it, verbally at least, Um, But if he misses the summit, then it'll be quite clear to everybody he's going to (laughs) be calling for a bit of extra time. This midnight deadline's interesting then because I know in recent days there's been just a little bit more optimism in Westminster, particularly over negotiations with the Irish border sticking point there. 
Can he hit a midnight deadline tonight, though? Well, I think what the European Union ministers have taken fright at is the idea that Britain thinks it can sort of, you know, keep holding on and be the last persons to blink and that Boris can hold all his fellow leaders, all 27 of them, after dinner um, into an all-night session where, by force of personality and reason, he can get them to agree the deal on the terms that he wants. Um, but what the Michel Barnier and his officials are saying is, is no, we can't do that because a summit is a good place for a political agreement, for a deal on principles. When you come to the fine detail of a legal text that can hold up in court and that can be cited in evidence when there are disputes, well, that can only be negotiated between proper negotiators and teams of lawyers who can really go over it with a fine-tooth comb because the devil, as they say, is in the detail. And it's that text that they want to negotiate today. And that's why it's sort of emerged as a slightly harder deadline than perhaps the government anticipated. Now, happy birthday, Westminster Abbey. It's one of London's most famous buildings, a must-see for tourists. But when was the last time you went inside? Here's why the newspaper thinks everyone should give it a second look. On October 13th, 1269, Westminster Abbey was consecrated. And today, 750 years later, the Queen has been attending a special service to celebrate the anniversary of London's most extraordinary building. It contains the tomb of England's other Queen Elizabeth, buried in 1603, among many others and it has stood and changed through war, political convulsion and the massive growth of our capital. Tourists queue to get in. Londoners mostly just walk past. This winter, stop and take a look at a monument that can rival any on earth. That's the leader, taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column. It's our opinion, but we want yours. Get in touch and continue the conversation through social media. Use the hashtag TheLeaderPodcast. Our audio news team also delivers a bulletin to smart speakers at 7am every weekday. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. The podcast is back at 4 tomorrow.